Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Ports on with you on a Wednesday afternoon. God, it's beautiful outside. I hope you're listening to this outside. Uh, here we are, folks. It's the NHL Trade Deadline Edition. Uh, we've got lots to talk about from Monday's NHL Trade Deadline to a rash of injuries and close calls with the Blue Jackets. We've got a lot to talk about in this edition. And joining us to do so is Dave Metzold of Bally's Sports Ohio. Metz, where are you? How are you? What's going on? You know, a lot of people think when the Blue Jackets go to Ottawa, they go to Ottawa. They do not. They go to Canada, which Canada. is about uh, it's about a drive to Plain City from downtown Columbus outside yes. of Ottawa, if you know what I'm saying. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's uh, let's just call it one of the stops on our NHL tour because it is definitely that. I can't say yes. much more about it than that. <laughs> yes. I've always said to people, like, if it... <sighs> You should go to Ottawa to see a game sometime to realize how fortunate we are in Columbus. Because you said Plain City. I've always said the equivalent would be like if they built Nationwide Arena in Marysville. Yeah, right. There's Route 33 all the way to the rink, basically. That's it. That's all you got. Um, and it's a mess. And it's an, it's nothing against Marysville. Love Marysville. But it's a long way to go for the for the major part of the of the of the city. I, whenever I'm in Canada, I say I cannot imagine they built an NHL <laughs> rink out here. I may steal that one tonight. That's a good line. <laughs> but they did. Um, well, Mets, thanks for joining us. Um, before we get to the NHL trade line stu- deadline stuff, because I, the Blue Jackets are going to be a player, but they're not going to be a big-time player like they were last year trading for first-round draft picks or certainly like they were in 2019 trading first-round draft picks for players. Uh, they've got some assets they're going to move. You've heard the names by now for sure, headlined by Max Domi. Um, but they're going to be sort of, I would say, a second-tier player. Um, Yarmo's hoping to be involved and to cash out some pending UFAs for assets, uh, but not a big player as in years past. This is a reset, not a rebuild. I want to get to sort of the the big doings of the week because I feel like you know it's, sometimes you don't want to look too far back on podcasts because things can be dated. But it's such a it was such a, a a crazy time the end of that Minnesota game that it feels like there's still reverbs coming. Jake Voracek, the good news, will play tonight in Ottawa. That that's an incredible just bit of information there that Jake Voracek is going to play tonight in Ottawa. If you saw that hit from Marcus Foligno at the end of the Minnesota game, and I want to frame it to you this way, Mets. Voracek gets undercut, and it's just a, an ugly hit. Um, Marcus Foligno, I don't know. I won't even pretend to know what the intent was. That's a dirty hit. Stick your leg out to, to slow somebody who's moving that fast. That's what, that's the final minute of regulation. One minute into overtime, line A goes off the ice, hobbled right to the room, no weight on his left leg. So there's the the guy that's just been on fire for six weeks now, goal-scoring-wise, and there's your leading assist guy. And then after the game, I, I, I'm not sure if you made this read or not. I I did. That's a huge win for the Blue Jackets. They come back. Zach Wierenski ties it late in regulation. They win it in a shootout. Brad Larson's body language told us that something wasn't right. And you, you just imagined, at least I did, that it was Voracek and Line. Turns out it was something else. It was Boone Jenner who came to him after the game and said, I can't do this anymore. And so Boone Jenner is now week to week with a with a back injury. 
So line A plays the next game. Voracek misses one game. That's incredible news given the way that that looked. But it's all sort of sullied by the fact that Boone Jenner is now out week to week. Um, Your perspective on that just crazy exchange, that win, the fallout, and everything after. And then they followed up by beating Vegas, which is, you know, who would have seen that? But yeah, so here's my perspective on it, uh, because I sit down there at the end of the Blue Jackets hallway behind their bench. Uh, and I see the hit on uh, Jake, and, I, and I'm expecting the worst. I'm expecting, you know, maybe he's not coming, coming off on his own power even. And he hobbles past me and goes into the room and uh, then comes back out, and he's watching the monitor that I have back there in the hallway, and, and he says, what? They didn't call a penalty on that? I'm like, no, they did not. And he yes. just, you know, shook his head and mumbled under his breath. Then when Line A comes back, Line A needed the assistance of two guys to get back to the room. Uh, and I thought, this is really bad. Yeah. It, it, it looked bad on the ice. It didn't look as bad as Jake's, but as he came right. off the ice, it looked worse than Jake's. Wow. And then you then you wait. At, you know, you and I, I think, we're both uh, probably in the same mode the next day, waiting to hear how bad it's going to be. And then all of a sudden, that Boone Jenner news drops. And, and uh, you know, Boone's a heart and soul guy, right? He has been mm-hmm. for his entire existence in Columbus. He's a heart and soul guy. So, you say, God, week to week, I can deal with a day to day, but week to week tells you, you know, are we going to see Boone before the right. end of the year? There aren't that many weeks left. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, you know, we, we all misread because we didn't know we all misread Brad Larson's body language into thinking he was going to lose two of his top guns. And in fact, it was right. his third top gun who's the guy is on the shelf. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Let, let's talk Boone here first. We'll get to Jake and the officiating. We don't usually go in on the officiating because. I mean, it gets kind of tired after a while. If you don't want to be that guy, but I think it's deserved this time. But to Boone, I mean, quietly, Boone Jenner has had a tremendous, not quietly here. I think people here fully appreciate how good, how well he's played. Quietly around the rest of the league, he has had a really, really strong year. And I, I, I think we've seen firsthand here in Columbus. You remember how much Nick Felino struggled? When he first got the C put on his chest, the burden that that created for him. Now, Boone certainly got to watch Felino handle it, certainly learned through all of that because he was here for it. But he, there seems to be, if anything, there has been a positive effect on his game. He, is, he has been a, a real, really impressive player this season. And I think one of the big differences there is when Nick got the C, he got it from a coach who wasn't real sure he could do it. Right. Like, I'm not sure this guy can be my captain, but okay, let's work through it. I think when Boone got the C, everybody acknowledged he's the guy to get the C. Now that Felino's gone, Boone Jenner was the clear cut choice to get the C. And because of the way he plays and because of his attitude, he's not he's not a big vocal guy. He's not a you know big, colorful guy like some others we've had through the dressing room. But he has always let his play do the talking. So for him, that C he probably felt it right there on his chest and played even harder if that was possible. He gives yeah. he gives so much with every shift. And and the other thing that you note with Boone is, you know, he's got 23 goals. And and it used to be that every Boone goal, every single one of them was some type of garbage goal, cleaning yep. stuff up around the around the blue. And he has surprised us with, you know, probably 10 or 12 of those in the middle. Hey, that was a pretty nice shot. You know, yes. I mean, so he's elevated that part of his game as well. And and I, I I love that for him, but I hate to see the way uh, the way this has turned here for him here at the last part of the season. I just hate it. 
Yeah, because you know, I mean, no player likes to sit out. You know, it's just eating him alive um, to miss well, these games. Brad, Brad used the term soul crushing. I, I yes. think that's the first time I've ever heard yes. a coach describe a player uh, and his reaction to an injury yeah. as soul crushing. That that certainly was uh, was the perfect perfect way powerful. to describe it. Yeah, very powerful. Um, to Voracek now, and and you mentioned that the him being surprised in the tunnel that there's no penalty called. You know what? I, it's how you can watch that play, and I, I'm thinking this is for sure a tripping minor or a kneeing minor, whatever they want to pick from those two. It sure looked to me like it elevated to the level of major. Now there's a minute left in the game, so it's not really it's not a, they're not going to get a five minute power play. Although if it goes to overtime, they've got the the advantage there as well. I just don't understand for the life of me how two officials, two trained officials can look at that exchange. Even if, don't give me the high speed bullshit. It's a trip. Even if you don't see that he sticks his knee out, um, it's clearly a tripping penalty. How that's deemed to be a nothing play, no penalty is just absolutely beyond me. Now I'm 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 more mad about that because it's just so effing stupid than I am the fact that Felino wasn't suspended the last the next day. I thought he should have been one or two games, especially after a kneeing penalty, different circumstances, but still an out of bounds play maybe three weeks earlier that he was suspended for. Typically, the league comes down hard on those. I mean, how do you look at that play and say there's nothing there? I that is just. To me, it's it's freaking ridiculous. Well, and and for me, it comes to control. Uh, uh, you know, a player is supposed to be in control of his stick at all times. Correct. And if it gets high, and if it catches somebody under the visor and it cuts them, that's four minutes. Yeah. Right? Well, and, right. and the player can say, "Well, I didn't mean to do it," and we've seen it almost Doesn't every matter. game. You see a high sticking call where the player didn't mean to do it, but he wasn't yeah. in control of it. To me, Felino wasn't in control of his body, and you know a player coming at you at high speed and you know you're beat and the only thing you do is instinctively stick your leg out. You know? Yes, it, yes. it doesn't necessarily have to be dirty intent, Correct. but there certainly was intent to stick the leg out Yes, because, oh my God, I'm going to get beat here. This guy's flying up the ice. This I is my last down. resort. This is yep. what I'm going to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's, that's to me, the part that is, is baffling was, uh, listen, if you have to be in control of everything else, your elbows, your stick, your fists, everything else, then you got to be in control of your legs too, for God's sake. Yeah, and I, you know, I think you also have to, as a as a referee, take take this into the context of the game. And the the Blue Jackets were certainly not not uh, altar boys in in this game. There was shit going on all over the ice, right? But it was it was it was a nasty game. Like it was, it felt it was on the like a tinderbox uh, three or four times. I never thought I'd see Gus Nyquist literally run across the ice to get to somebody, uh, Kevin Fiala, and try to kill him. And I jokingly said to Gus yesterday, it looked like you were trying to kill Kevin Fiala. And he, it looked like you were trying to get to Kevin Fiala to kill him. And he said, I was trying to kill him. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to fight him. I don't often ask people to fight. I wanted to fight him. Yeah. That's, Gus, that's Gus Nyquist. I mean, the, the, he's a Lady Bing candidate closer than right. he is to a – to a fighting regular, a hell of a works his ass off on the ice. I don't, I'm not belittling him in any way. Um, but that gives you an idea of the temperature 
of that game. He thought he got slew-footed at the bench after the hit uh, by Fiala, and he wanted a piece of him. But that stuff was going on all over the ice. And in the context of that game, yeah, there's dirty shit everywhere. And 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 Felino was part of it. I mean, he he was in the middle of it all night. Um, I texted his brother during the game, are you watching this? And he was like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I didn't text him after the stuff at the end because it was like, okay, this is getting a little too – yeah, he's you know let's not put anybody in an awkward spot, but he was, it was it was a wild game. I think the referees have to take all of that into context and say, this guy's been playing this way all night. Yeah, no, that no, yeah, that's tripping. Minor, at, at least a minor, probably a major. Right. right. And again, I just I've never seen a guy go eight feet in the air um, after a hit, wipe out, clutching his knee, and not be something called. It's absurd. Yeah. No- not only uh, did they have to get a read on the temperature of the game, but they, they needed to get a read on the temperature of the game earlier in the game, so it didn't get to that point. I think they 100%. allowed some things to escalate, yes, you know, did. where an extra an extra two could have been called in a, in a number of instances. Uh, we talked about this before uh, after the game. Fiala punched Nyquist in the face, yes, and no arm went up. I mean, they both ultimately got a roughing call, but but he punched him right in the face, yeah, and no arm went up on that. You know, so you, you blow the whistle there, and maybe the other stuff doesn't ever happen. Yeah. Uh, this brought up an interesting question at the morning skate the other day. Um, Elvis Merzlikens, goaltender Elvis Merzlikens, more likely to, which is he more likely to do, score <laughs> a, a first is the question. <laughs> Let's put a tinge of optimism in there. Is he more likely to score a goal or get into a fight first? Oh, I, I clearly, clearly get into a fight. He's, <laughs> I think he wants one. I think he wants one too, and he's he makes no uh, secret of, of clearing his own crease out when he has to, yes. and doing it with a blocker, doing it with a stick, doing it with whatever he needs to do it with. Yeah, yeah. I think he thinks he wants one. I'm not sure he wants one. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he hasn't tried for the goal for quite a little while, but but yeah, it's a it's an interesting question. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um... So, yeah, that, an amazing turn of events there in that Minnesota game. Dave, the Blue Jackets are playing their asses off right now. We saw it in the Vegas game again. Um, they're scoring as well, which is like wild. Cole Sillinger with an awakening in that Vegas game, a hat trick. Um, beautiful goals. I mean, the Bjorkstrand behind the back pass is incredible. But what I love about the Sillinger kid, and I've gone on about it perhaps too much, he doesn't gather that puck pick a spot and bury it into the goaltender. He just lets it go. Yeah. Um, the deflection is beautiful off the Bjorkstrand shot. It's so subtle and perfect. You, you didn't even see it at full speed. And speaking of just letting it go rather than gathering it, that's an incredible pass by Domi to him for the third goal through through two Vegas defenders. But again, he his stick is is ready to blast that thing on net not gather, not give the goaltender even a half of a tenth of a second to think about where he's going to shoot. It's just off. Right. And that we, is We've skill. seen that so many times. We've seen the dust off from guys who uh, have had 30-goal seasons before for the Blue yes. Jack. We yes. don't need to mention any names. 
But it's funny, I was riding down the elevator at the uh, hotel here with Cole this morning. And I said, uh, you know, I've looked at that Domi Pass over and over again, and it's such a thing of beauty. And what really makes it beautiful is it's through the sticks of Hague and Petrangelo, yes. who freaking mugged him earlier in the game, which just adds to the intrigue of that, of that pass. Such a perfect pass that perfect. Uh, Cole told us he knew it was coming. He knew, he knew Max wasn't shooting it. Yeah. Uh, and then for him to bury it was, uh, yeah, what a, what a perfect way to get your first Hattie. That was just wonderful. Yeah, and Domi is like, Domi loves the saucer pass maybe more than anything else in the world. That's, that's, you can tell he loves making them and he, that's, that's what he was going in that, that situation. We're on Max Domi now. And again, we're in conversation with Dave Metzold, um, Valley Sports, Ohio, talking Blue Jackets. Of course, this is the Front Nationwide podcast. Uh, the, the NHL trade deadline is Monday. Domi's name has been kicked around all over the place for, I don't know, three months now. Um, are you okay with this? David, when you look at Max Domi and you see a guy playing like he's playing, do you think, is there a way that this guy can be incorporated here? Or are you resigned to the fact that he's, that he's moving on and, and, and you're okay with that? Well, you have, to, uh, you have to wonder what is creating this extra spark here at this point of the season for Max Domi. Is it the chance that he might get traded and he's trying to, you know, he's, he's up his game. He knows the talk. He, he clearly is well aware of, uh, A, when the deadline is. B, he's a part of the conversation. And uh, and C, uh, he'd like to, I'm sure, have some sort of influence on where that uh, that might take him. Right. So yeah. is that influencing his play? Are we seeing a a, uh, a um, newly motivated Max Domi because he knows he's on the block? He wants to see uh, where he can go and if he can be a part of a playoff run for somebody. That's that's part of it. But, yeah, I, I, I've watched him play as of late and his points are up. His energy is up. His feistiness is up. And man. Are you sure you want to let this guy go right now? Mm. Uh, but but that's the game of a general manager. That's the game the general manager has to play, right? He's also, with every goal, every, well, not goal, he's sitting on 99 here, career goals forever. But with every point, he is a, a more valuable asset to yeah. Yarmo Kekalainen. And so um, my guess is, and I think you know Yarmo a whole lot better than I do in terms of how he does his negotiating is, but he's going to wait for the right deal uh, and make sure it's the right deal before just letting him go for a sixth round pick or something silly like that. Yeah, he's got 922-31, which pretty good numbers for a guy that's been mostly bottom six and second power play unit, which the second power play unit doesn't get too much time here. They usually come on for the final 30 seconds, if that. Um, that pass he made to Roslovic a couple of weeks ago too, from with his back yeah. against, Oh God. I mean, there aren't too many guys you've seen in Columbus who are zipping that pass across like that. Um, that guy does have a skill set. There's a couple places that have been interesting to me, uh, in terms of trade destinations for him you, and, and they, they've got their own situations that they're having trouble with there. And they're also wingers. Um, probably second and third line wingers, Jake DeBrusque in Boston. And this has been yep. talked about, you know, is Domi a fit in Boston? Is DeBrusque a, fix, a fit in Columbus? Um, and in Pittsburgh, it's it's Kasperi Kapanen, who was, a, they're both 25 years old, DeBrusque and, and Kapanen. They're both restricted free agents this summer. Uh, there's an interesting part to the Pittsburgh trade is that Yarmo knows the Kapanen family very well. Sammy Kapanen, um, of course, is, is Kasperi Kapanen's father, a great legendary Finnish player. Um, and Max Domi and Ty Domi, for that matter, are very close to Mario Lemieux, to Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh. Um, so is that a, a fit? And, and the answer, according to most people poking around the league, 
it's not a straight up fit. You're not going to get Kapanen or DeBrusque straight up for Domi because those are RFA guys and you're trading a UFA guy who may not stick around very long. Now, my thought has been if Pittsburgh's ready to move on from Kapanen, maybe they care less that he's an RFA instead of UFA and maybe Boston's just ready for this DeBrusque thing to be over. But the Blue Jackets may need to sweeten that pot a little bit. Domi and something else. Domi and a pick. Domi and a prospect, say a foodie, for a DeBrusque and a Kapanen. And I'm wondering where you might come in on on either of those trades. Either of those intrigue you if you've got to put something into that bucket other than just Domi. Yeah, I, I think DeBrusque, to me, I mean, if I'm making a deal and I'm trying to make it uh, worthwhile for both teams, can you just picture Max Domi in Boston? How much they would love Max Domi in Boston, right? And where he would yeah. fit with them right now. Right. And I like getting DeBrusque back in that package because of what he brings. And what Look, this is a team that all of a sudden is a goal-scoring team and a team that is looking for extra forwards to supplement that. Holy smokes. You think about guys who are coming in, and the youth that they have now, and adding DeBrusque to that picture. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, the other side, when you're talking about Boston and when you're talking about Pittsburgh, you're talking about two teams whose window will be closing sooner rather than later, right? That's so right. if they're going to get an impact guy, they want to get an impact guy right now. And maybe Max could be that for them on, on um, in, in any role, really. But um, that's got to be an important fit for them, too, knowing that, you know, these guys are getting older. Those are two of the older teams in the league. They might as well go for it now, right? And maybe Max is yeah. the right, right guy for that moment. Interesting comment from an NHL executive. We poked around on – we just posted a story shortly on the on – the, uh, just a bit ago on the athletic website – about what is a reasonable return for some of these uh, players that the Blue Jackets may be moving. And an interesting insight from from one NHL executive who wondered what Domi might be like on a really good team because he's never been on one. Uh, He's played in the playoffs only once, and that was in 2020, when Montreal only got in because the league took the top 12. And if you remember, Montreal, they weren't even close to the playoffs. Right. Uh, unless they dip down to 12. And so he got a taste. They did upset they upset Pittsburgh in the first round. Um, so technically they made it to the playoffs that year. Um, but it is an interesting – he has had trouble controlling his emotions. He's had trouble with consistency. He's had trouble with silly penalties. But you wonder if he gets onto a team, again, like a Pittsburgh with the Crosby and Malkin where they're – you know, he isn't the – one of the top three or four fiddles, he's seven or eight. I mean, yeah, he's he's in that great beyond beyond the stars. Um, if if he might find things that he find a, a level of play that he hasn't been able to, to sustain. One of the things that would concern me about DeBrusque is there seem to be a lot of the same qualities in DeBrusque, different kind of players, but the inconsistency with DeBrusque has been extreme, especially the last couple of years. Is is he yeah. just unhappy with Bruce Cassidy and the and the Boston situation? Um, who knows? But that, that's a tough question for Yarmo because if you're moving Domi out ostensibly, because you need space for some of these guys that are coming in. Ken Johnson's going to be here in a few weeks, one way or the other. Um, where does he play? Well, if you're doing if you're trading Domi to clear space for some of these guys, bringing a guy back for Domi doesn't really help you there. Um, so I'm not sure if they want another winger with a with a long-term contract situation. And, of course, these guys, DeBrusque or 
Kapanen would have to be would have to be signed to extensions this summer. They'd be qualified as RFAs and signed. Um, but now you're bringing a body back in. Um, if it's no body, we've been told to expect probably a second or a third round pick for Domi straight up, not a first. Um, so, you know, that's a decent return when you look at some of the players that have been mined from the second and the third round in recent drafts. The other guys, Dave, that have been talked about, Jonas Corposalo, uh, pending UFA, Dean Kukin, pending UFA. Um, I, I get a sense from some Blue Jackets fans that they have, that they, they feel for Yunus uh, Corposalo a bit and just how this has all played out for him. Um, if the Blue Jackets would have had a market that they felt comfortable trading in two years ago, they would have gotten a pretty sweet return. I'm not sure if they get a first, but they probably get a second. As it stands now, given the way Corposalo has played, there's no other way to say it. He's been one of the worst goaltenders in the league. By statistical measures, you don't have to strain too far to say he's been the worst goaltender in the NHL this year. That's a hard guy to trade based upon this year's statistics. You're going right. to need somebody who believes that that the old Corpy is just beneath the surface. But I don't see anybody trading him, trading for him to be the answer for them the rest of the season in the playoffs, maybe as an insurance policy like the Blue Jackets did to acquire Kincaid a couple years ago. You agree with that line of thinking? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and interesting that as we sit here tonight on game one of a back-to-back, we all thought Corpy was going to go today, right? I mean, yeah. Corpusalo against Ottawa, that's a no-brainer. Then you have Elvis come back and play against the Capitals. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it's playing out. Maybe maybe Corpy goes tomorrow night, but that would surprise me if he did. I, I, that was a curious move right there. But yeah, it's, it's too bad because he obviously put in all the work under Bob uh, and, and believed really that uh, when Bob went to greener pastures, that it was going to be a, at least a tandem situation with he and Elvis. And it just hasn't played out that way for him. And, and uh, his play hasn't given, uh, given management any reason to, to make it any different. Right. So um, the, the sad thing, I think when, when fans look at the possibility of trading Corpy is, well, why'd you hang on to him so long? You know, yeah. you, you, wait, you waited so long that the, the value on that asset has now diminished to the point where you really can't get really anything solid in return. And I think that's, yeah. That's the disappointment of the fan base. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think this team really wanted to take care of Corpusalo to put him in a place, certainly get the right return, but put him in a place where he's got a chance to, re- to find future employment and be, a, be the number one that they think he can be. And I, that's out the window now. I mean, Corpy's also got military service this summer. Who knows what next summer's going to know what next season may look like for Corpusalo. Right. Um, it's going to, it's an interesting turn for him. Um, but won't be surprised if, if he is moved because he's a he is universally understood to be a good dude, a hard worker, and there's a good goalie in there. It's just someone has to find it again. Um, Dean Kukin's a guy that that I think you take the best offer, um, and I think it's kind of similar to Corposalo in that no one's going to acquire Dean Kukin. I wouldn't think as a as a top six guy. This is a Worst case scenario plan, we need eight or nine guys going into the playoffs. This guy's played some games. He's played some playoff games. Um, this makes me feel better than putting one of our kids in here who's never done it. Um, your thoughts on Kooks? Do you think Kooks is – I didn't. I never thought of Kooks as a tradable asset until a couple weeks ago, but here we go. No, unremarkable, but very reliable, right? I mean, he's not going to do anything crazy one way or the other. He's not going to cost you a game. He's not going to win you a game. He's just been a really super steady five or six defenseman. Sometimes it's number seven defenseman, but 
yeah, I don't, I don't think he'll draw much in return. Uh, but again, you look at, at where this team is going and, and where the youth is taking this team and the guys who are going to be available. Are we going to see Corson Kuhlman's? Maybe, maybe not uh, this year, but certainly next year is a re- realistic possibility in the year after that. And you've got other young defensemen in the pipeline. So, uh, yeah, I, again, great guy, unremarkable, reliable, not going to, not going to kill you either way. And, and, uh, uh, I wish him the best if he, if he moves on. I feel like the biggest thing we're going to be tracking down on Monday is what are the conditions of this conditional pick? Because that's become in vogue big time. I could totally see Corpusalo and Kukin being moved for conditional picks that relate to how much they play the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, because GMs are getting more, how should I say this nicely, less ballsy than ever before. They want, they want to cover their own asses. All these lottery protection picks, bullshit. Just make your, make your trade. Um, <laughs> and the conditions have become the same thing because they don't want to trade a guy for a six round pick who then plays, you know, 21 playoff games. Right. Make that a, make that a fourth or whatever. Um, right. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting few days here. Dave, anything to, Anything you got kicking around you want to bring up? Uh, no, we're all we're kind of in the same mode that uh, I think I think the media people are the same uh, in the same mode and uh, fans are in the same mode. Let's see what happens on Monday and let's see what they uh, what they come out of it with. Yeah, uh, we, we keep hearing it's not a rebuild, so yep. we shouldn't expect a fire sale. And, and the other big difference between last year is the big assets that were moved. Savard and, and Felino, of course, being the chief among them. Uh, those were those were huge. Uh, uh, parts of what the uh, what the franchise built in terms of its playoff run, right? So that's, that's right. why they were able to get those type of assets back, and we just don't have those types of names on the board right now. Uh, you know, Max Domi has only been here for two years and hasn't really been a part of anything that is uh, something that would be termed memorable by anybody. So uh, that's the difference between this year and last year. It, it may be a maybe a much different feeling at the end of the day in terms of what we come away from like wow last year was great what happened this year well yeah you know look at the names that were involved that's why yeah yeah now i think there's a you know people are going to ask what about line a there's been no indication that they're even taking calls on line a right now and i don't think they should i think that'd be no i think the plan is to take this into the off season qualify him to keep him for sure but to speak this summer about a long-term contract extension to see if they can get it done. The other name that I think playoff teams would be interested in is Gustav Nyquist. Um, but my sense is unless it's a really, really impressive offer that Yarmo Kekalainen would be reluctant to move him. That's a member of the leadership group. Again, his definition of restart versus rebuild is you keep a foundation, you keep a culture in that room. And, and Gus is part of that. Um, is he, is he available? Is there any way a team could trade for him? Yes, of course there is. That's true for almost anybody in that room. Um, but I, I, it would, it's probably going to be a a price that teams would have a hard time getting to. He has another year left at five and a half, by the way, and teams just don't have salary cap space. The last thing I'll leave you with is the blue jackets have a willingness to weaponize their salary cap space. Sure. And part of that could be so a trade with Domi for the team says we'll do it for a third round pick. And Yarmo says we'll do it for a second and we'll pick up half of Domi's remaining contract. 
And if that team is up against the cap and that allows them to make another move that they want to make, yeah. now you've got that's a possible sweetener for all of these moves. Um, they could even be taking on a bad contract uh, from a player that can't play anymore or has a year left because a team wants to do something uh, at the trade deadline that they can't do presently. I think Yarmo's open for business for that kind of stuff and see if he can get it done. Yeah, and that would really add some intrigue to the day. And and that's why it's such a great day, right? That's why Jeff yeah. Rubber calls Christmas, because it's just you really don't know what's going to happen. And uh, Yarmo has never been afraid to uh, to pull the trigger on a big one if it means uh, this, uh, if it means something coming back to him that will continue to build his uh, his his program. So yeah, yeah, good stuff. Dave Mitzel, thanks for joining us, man. Always appreciate it. No problem, man. Anytime. You know, the other thing we ought to bring up is how cool it was that Brad Larson came up to watch his son in the intermission the other day. Oh yeah, was you were cool all over this. What? Yeah, that you were all really over cool. this. Yeah, you're at ice level, so you pick up on some of that stuff that you know way up above. Those little kids look like little. I don't want to say termites. They look like little, little, um, little pieces just shooting around the ice. His kid scored a shootout goal. Yes. Yeah, yeah. His his son Ty came out and uh, you know had a chance to. It, it was all shootout. The way they do that in some of those intermissions, and and uh, Brad snuck out there and was was watching from the bench where normally he would go back, obviously into the coach's office. Yeah, he's watching from the bench and said his son has been working on that move for weeks. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah, what was the move? A little backhand move. Went in on the goaltender, huh? faked him to the forehand side, and then got him with his backhand. That thing that Line keeps trying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's, he was great talking about it yesterday too. Yeah, it was fun. It was good. Dave Metzl, thanks, man. We'll be talking to you soon, hopefully. All right, sir. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is the Front Nationwide podcast on The Athletic, and we certainly do appreciate you joining. We'll talk to you all very soon. Take care.